This podcast contains mature themes and explicit language. Movie Lovers is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Jude Law barfing. So much blood drying. Sick. I don't like barf. Or blood. Or blood. Or spit. Or spit. is up Jacobson. <laughs> I am not sick of hearing that, but I've literally heard that so many times now. <laughs> I've edited this podcast 10 times previous. This will be the 11th time. Well, let's do a bonus one then today because that's your birthday. What is up birthday Jacobson? <laughs> what is up non-birthday Jacobson? <laughs> <laughs> non-birthday Jacobson. Although your birthday was just like a month ago, so... Oh my god, yeah, it was a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine pointed out that I have a lot of gray hairs, so... We both do. We both kind of get them in the same spot, like right on our, our temples on the sides of our heads. Yeah, and I get some in my beard, too. And I get some in my lady beard. I'm a veteran, progressive power metal keyboardist slash now podcaster dude. With gray hair. With graying hair, yeah. yeah. I'm like an old leathery... What were you going to say? I was going to say you're a silver fox. Oh. You got to learn how Kelly Clarkson did it. Right. Remember, we were watching The Voice, and Kelly Clarkson like put her hands over her mouth and did that. It was really intense. Was was mine like almost as good? At- and hers sounded really real. So. Hmm. So this is a special day for two reasons. Number one, because it's Jacobson's birthday. And number two, because I just got vaccinated like two hours ago. Got the Johnson & Johnson one dose. So hashtag make music live again. And also, let's get back into the damn movie theaters. I'm, I'm excited for like summer blockbuster movies. With superheroes and explosions and with popcorn and yeah. snow caps. Because I usually get snow caps. M&M's are my second choice. Yeah. I wonder what the demographics are of people who eat snow caps. What if it was only progressive metal keyboard dudes from Vermont? From Vermont. <laughs> They're like, we got to keep snow caps on hand just in case any any legends of the prog power industry any show. legends of the fall. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't really feel like sticking around on our intro all that much today, so that's Jonah, I'm Mallory, we're movie lovers, blah blah blah, that whole thing. Yeah, movie lovers. It's my birthday and I'm requesting that you stop. Okay. With the air horn. I will only stop with the air horn impersonation because it's your birthday, so tomorrow when it's not your birthday anymore, get ready to get woken up with my air horn impersonation. (laughs) I'm going to do it right into your butt crack. (laughs) I did get woken up with your air horn this morning. (laughs) Yes, honorable mention to my 10-second air horn that came out of my nether region. The longest part I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. The best part was that at the very end, it was like... I guess I'm just going to laugh so hard I cry every time we do one of these now. I'm okay with that. 
Um, but yeah, so if you're new to movie lovers and tuning in for the first time, huge dose of our personalities for you. Jonah's a musician. I'm a marketing and graphic design lady. This is a podcast where we take turns picking a movie every other episode, where whether the other person wants to watch it or not. And we've got an awesome list of topics that we go through. And sometimes there's heartfelt moments. Sometimes there's just laughing really, really hard about poop stories, like last episode of <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> um, but yeah. Here we go. The only thing that I wanted to mention in terms of like shit we've been watching lately, you've been working a lot, so I know you haven't really like yeah, had recreational movie or TV watching, but I had to binge the first three episodes of The Handmaid's Tale season four that just came out this week. Holy fucking shit. <gasps> and now I have to wait a week for one episode. It's, I can't. It, oh. And just like clockwork, here is Bruce to hop up in our laps. Yeah. Because he wants to be included in the podcast. He's such a boy. Can I tell you the my alternate porn title for um, The Handmaid's Tale? Oh, yeah. It would be The Handjobs Male. Like M-A-L-E. Okay. Right, okay. right. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's enough of a of a jump start to this awesome episode today. We are discussing the sci-fi classic of the 90s, Gattaca. Woo! Um, I picked this movie because it is arguably my favorite sci-fi movie of all time. Not including, I mean, I don't, I don't put E.T. in the sci-fi category. That's just... That's like family slash sci-fi. Yeah, that's like family part of my heart and soul. It's just different. Uh, but yeah, Gattaca, 1997. We'll get into our previous experiences with it in just a moment. Uh, in the meantime, let's let's take a look at the trailer. Genetics. What can it mean? The ability to perfect the physical and mental characteristics of every unborn child. In the not-too-distant future, our DNA will determine everything about us. A minute drop of blood saliva or a single hair determines where you can work who you should marry what you're capable of achieving in a society where success is determined by science divided by the standards of perfection one man's only chance... How do you expect to pull this off? I don't know exactly. ...is to hide his own identity. This is the last day that you're going to be you and I'm going to be me. ...by borrowing someone else's. Congratulations. What about the interview? That was it. Do you think you'd be doing what you're doing if it wasn't for who you are, what you are? I have a feeling you might be there under false pretenses, playing somebody else's hand. They've got my picture plastered up all over the place. They'll recognize me. They won't recognize me. They'll recognize me. I don't recognize you. They won't believe that one of their elite could have suckered them all this time. They are going to find me. But in a place 
where any cell from any part of your body can betray you. How do you hide when we all shed 500 million cells a day? Ethan Hawke. Uma Thurman. Welcome to Gattaca. There is no gene for the human spirit. But there is a gene for the Jacobson. <laughs> I know his gene. <laughs> Can I quick comment on that trailer? Awesome trailer. I hate that it doesn't actually have the music from the movie in it. Because the music from the movie sets the tone so much. Yeah. Well, my comment to that is that I've noticed that uh, sometimes movie trailers have music from other movies in them, too. Like the film scores from, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like either in the case of Man of the Iron Mask, they had music from Braveheart. Right. Because the director... Was it the director was involved in Braveheart? Music from the movie Dragonheart, that movie where Sean Connery voiced the dragon Mm -hmm. and whatever. That music I've heard on multiple trailers. I don't know who owns the rights to that, but that gets passed around like the clap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I, I think that's kind of a weak thing to do anyway. Just use either the music from this movie or get someone to compose original music. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, as, as music people, I notice that shit and it fucking drives me insane. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so let's talk about this just criminally underrated movie. My pick of a movie, I have loved this movie since I was... A teenager, maybe even younger. I don't remember exactly how old I was when I saw it for the first time. I was eight when it came out. Came out the same year as Spice World, so you know, similar vibe. Um, I don't think I was watching it that young, but I remember renting it from the video store all the time. It was definitely one of those movies that, like, I was the only one watching it. Like, that's not something my friends would have wanted to watch with me. Probably not. A little too uh, intellectual for your average middle school kid or however old you were. Right. Well, and it's it's been really fun watching it now as an adult because I have not watched it in many, many moons. The things that I was picking up on as an adult watching it were things that I just wasn't aware of as a teenager, but I knew I liked the vibe of the movie, the music, the way that it looked. And now as an adult looking at it and like being able to assess how gorgeous the cinematography is or all the vintage vibes in this like futuristic world. Like it's just, it's cool to be able to look at it through a new set of lenses, I guess. For sure. Respect. Did did you figure out when we were watching this, if you had seen it before? I, I don't think that I had. Um, yeah. So I, for the audience, I actually couldn't remember whether I had seen this or not, but what I figured out is that I just remember it being a thing, and I remember seeing the movie trailer for it a lot. I think it came out, what year did this come out? 97. 97, yeah. So it would have been the earlier part of high school for me. So yeah, my conclusion was that I had not seen it. However, I did really enjoy it. Right. And it was good to finally see it after all these years. Yeah. Well, it doesn't surprise me that you didn't see it when it came out, because it didn't, it didn't bomb, but it didn't, um, 
it wasn't super successful. And I've got actually, I've got some cool notes and context on the success or cult classic status of this movie. This movie is a prime example of um, a movie that where the trailer for it doesn't really make it seem that interesting or captivating. But when you actually see the movie, then it's really good. Yeah, like if you're into sci-fi movies and you watch that trailer, you'd be like, "Oh, this seems kind of interesting." But then you'd be you'd be in for a completely different ride, right? Than what the trailer shows you. So that's kind of kind of neat. For sure, yeah. So this was the first time I saw it. Uh, I enjoyed it, and it's very. Um, I feel you know pertinent to scientific progress that's been made since. I just like. I just generally love how. The 80s and 90s sci-fi movies and blockbusters and everything really predicted all of the technology and the things that we'll have today. Right. right. Which kind of makes me think like, okay, so like what movies are coming out today that are predicting some kind of a future and how much of that will be true. Right. Well, and when this movie was coming out too, this was around the time when they were like first cloning sheep and stuff. So it was very like top of mind for everybody. Like, oh my God. We can clone sheep. What about, what is this going to mean for people? So it's just like the headspace that I think the that society was in at that time is interesting versus even where we are now. I don't think that's really something that's top of mind. Yeah, they, anyway. should, they should clone nachos so that there's more. Oh, speaking of nachos, uh, <laughs> you're a smartsy. I like you. You've got a cute face. <laughs> um, we have mentioned several episodes ago how you know, oh, we have a buy me a coffee account and oh, that'd be kind of cool if people wanted to donate, you know, maybe they could pick a movie or something. We're making that an official thing. Jonah uh, jokingly said, uh, like, oh yeah, you could buy me a couple coffees or, or you could buy me nachos, uh, the equivalent of buying three cups of coffee on that site, which is like a $5 donation for a cup of coffee. If you get us three cups of coffee, equivalent to $15, equivalent to Nachos. Nachos. (laughs) You can pick a movie that we will watch and do on this podcast. Honorable mention to our very, very first picker, honoree. I don't know. Maybe we should come up with a cool name for them. Uh, Our close friend, brother from another mother, awesome human being, Michael Kammeyer from Denmark. He is the founder of Jonah's band, Pyramaze. He is the Billy of Billies. Mikael, I love you with all my heart. So fucking sexy when you speak in Danish. Well, what if I spoke into a Danish like the pastry and I just put it up to my mouth and I spoke into it like, hey, we're speaking in Danish. And just like that, the sexual attraction is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, Michael bought Jonah some nachos and he picked a movie. And in a few episodes, we will be reviewing his pick. I'm not going to give away what his pick is yet, but. This would be an awesome opportunity for some of our amazing OG fans like the beautiful Sarah McNamara to pick something like her favorite movie of all time, Labyrinth, or our buddy Nigel Lehman up in Canada to pick something with raccoons in it. I don't know. I think it's Nigel Lemon, like the fruit. Is it lemon? Yeah. Oh, God. Can I give one the audience one clue as to what Michael's pick was? Go for it. Get to the chopper! Billy, come on, do it now! Kill me! 
Look at the audio spike you just made for that. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Um, Yeah, so if you have a movie you'd like to see us watch and review and get a shout out, um, we're actually, there's a cool piece of software online that I found that I actually didn't think I'd have a use for for this podcast, but guess what we do? Um, I will be shooting Michael a link to this so he could say a little something about this movie and we can put that audio in the podcast. So you'll get to say a little something, something, pick an awesome movie and we will stick to it whether we want to fucking watch it or not. (laughs) And with that, let's jump into our next segment, which is the Mally Explains Movies part of our show, where Mallory explains the entire plot of the movie that we are talking about in 30 seconds, and go. Gattaca is a movie in a world. (laughs) Sorry, I got really excited. Uh, It's a movie that takes place in the not-so-distant future, as it says in subtitles pretty early on in the movie, uh, where you can, when you're having kids, you can genetically alter all of that shit to take out all of the bad stuff so you can make your kids perfect, which, as you might imagine, would lead to a scenario when that's first becoming a thing that you're going to have a generation or a large group of people who are not genetically altered. And that is the predicament that our protagonist, Ethan Hawke, finds himself in. He is what is known as a degenerate. He has not been made perfect at birth, but they did make his brother perfect, which is a really shitty move on their fucking parents. That's that's so lame. Like, growing up, one brother's perfect. The other one has all these things wrong with it. Like, way to set your mm. kid up to fucking fail. Sounds like my family. <laughs> But your parents don't suck. It's just your brother that sucks. But uh, but yeah, so Ethan Hawke's character has big dreams. He wants to go into space. But because his whole life can be figured out by just drawing his blood, he doesn't qualify to do any of that shit because he's got a heart problem or, you know, is prone to depression and, you know, all the things. Uh, but he finds a way to get around it which is by basically using the DNA and the persona of one of those perfect people played by Jude Law, who happened to get in a horrific accident and become paralyzed. So he can't do anything with his awesomeness, but um, he can basically use, not steal his identity. It's an arrangement that they have, but he can use Jude Law's identity to get to Gattaca, which is where he can go to space. Jacobson, who'd you have for uh, best actor? Best actor. Okay. My note was that, oh my God, Jude Law was so fucking awesome. And oh my God, both him and Ethan Hawke, but mostly Jude Law. Such a baby. Oh my God, he's so young in this movie. Uh, If he were in it more, I probably would have said Jude Law just because I like his character so much. But I think best actor has to go to Ethan Hawke. He just, he embodies such an interesting character. You know, this isn't a case where, like in Man in the Iron Mask, when Leo's playing two different characters, Ethan Hawke is playing one guy, but he lives in two different worlds. You know, like he has two different faces. He has the version of himself that is just kind of like, you know, this not perfect person. And is he's so driven to want to do all these amazing things, but he's just kind of pushed down by the world and whatever. But then there's the side of him when he's, being Jerome Morrow when he's being Jude Law's character and he kind of takes on a whole different persona when he's out in that world and he kind of has to because there's like a sense of arrogance 
of these people who are perfect, you know, like right. they don't have to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, we're going to have so much interesting conversation around all of this gene stuff later. I fucking love it. Love it. Who is your best actor? Well, I had Jude Law, actually, and even though he had less screen time, I don't really think that that was an important point. I felt like maybe Jude Law had more to work with with his character. It was more of a dynamic character in some way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought that, you know, he he was the best and at, at times was the comic relief. and Right? You know. He does that whole, like, angry, bitter, sarcastic thing. Yeah. Really well. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, stuck in a wheelchair because of his accident that he was in and that. And I wrote down that uh, this is his second best performance after that I've seen after um, being in Road to Perdition as the hitman oh, guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, I would really have to go back in his filmography to decipher what my favorite Jude Law movie is. The thing about his role in Road, Road to Perdition was that obviously Jude Law is a very um, handsome dude or whatever. Uh, but in that movie, he really like was a kind of a grody guy and not attractive probably at all. So I love when we're listening to that score, it's a Thomas Newman score. Mm -hmm. And like, you always skip the songs that are like Jude Law's theme music because it's so like creepy and jaunty and just like totally different vibe. I mean, it's perfect, but like, it just gives off. It's not something you want to sit and listen to while you're like relaxing. That's funny that you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that plays to the brilliance of Thomas Newman as a composer as well, to be able to, to sonically sort of paint the picture of the, of the unpleasantness of Jude Law's character. Right. Whereas, you know, all the more, you know, emotional and sweeping parts of the score are for, you know, like the scenes with Tom Hanks and his son in it and everything. But anyway, back to Gattaca. Yes. Uh, who was the O'Doyle in this movie, Jacobson? So, I think you and I are going to have slightly different perspectives. I did glance over at your paper and saw who you had just now, so sorry, I cheated. So why don't you say yours first, and then I'm going to make my argument. Okay. Well, I wrote down um, Ethan Hawke's older brother, who also plays the like detective guy or whatever, but I literally wrote that on this paper five seconds before the reveal. I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> that the detective was uh, Ethan Hawke's brother. And so I didn't change it because I thought that, you know, that was an interesting point of view that I had had in that moment. And then, you know, timing wise. So. Right. Right. Well, yeah, that, that was going to be my whole argument. Um, I actually kind of forgot that the audience doesn't know that that's his brother. I just seen this movie so many times that I just knew that that was Anton mm-hmm. the whole time. But when, when they do reveal it, you're like, Oh, that's his brother. I was like, oh, shit, that's right. You didn't know that. So because of that, I feel like his brother is in the movie too much. Right. I'm finally figuring out what the O'Doyle is. So I wrote down. It took 11 episodes. He's my asshole. I will. It's your birthday, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I wrote down the janitor boss. Oh, yeah, I am. Ethan Hawke, before he decides to go and be Jerome Morrow and get into Gattaca. He is a janitor and like all the degenerates are only left with jobs like that. And, uh, that janitor just exists to put him down and try to put him in his place and whatever. I love that part when like, uh, Ethan Hawke is like cleaning the windows at Gattaca and he was like, 
Vincent, you know, don't, don't clean them too good. Don't want you to get any ideas. And uh, Ethan Hawke is like, well, the cleaner they are, the better I'll be able to see you from the other side when I'm going in there, however he says it. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, janitor guy is a fucking dick. I think this is actually the first time that you've gotten the O'Doyle right, and I haven't, actually. <gasps> so on this day in history... It's such it, a special day for so many reasons. Yes, it is. <laughs> cool. Uh, what'd you have for the most iconic moment or favorite scene? I put down, and I guess that this is really kind of like just a chunk of the movie, but the transformation in general, I guess the, the, what they refer to it title wise, when we talk about like the movie clips is the degenerate scene, I guess. But basically from the time that he meets with Tony Shalhoub, who is basically like the dealer guy that like, he's the guy you hire to uh, get you hooked up with somebody whose DNA you can use and uh, so basically from that scene, when he picks the blood vial that belongs to Jerome Morrow, a.k.a. Jude Law, all the way through the explanation of everything that he has to do to become him, from the scrubbing his skin every day and getting all of his spare hairs off his head to gluing the thing on his finger so he can do the, the blood prick on the way into the office, uh, to the pee bag thing so he can pee in a cup which I guess they do all the fucking time. Yeah. But the part that really I, I love, and even though it's fucked up, they go through all of these things and then it's like, okay, you're two inches shorter than Jerome Morrow. And their like fix for that is to basically chop his legs oh, off and yeah. put braces on so that his legs will grow back together and he'll be two inches taller. So fucked up. That is commitment. Yeah, it's kind of gross, too. YouTube comment that I'll just throw in from that. Not something we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. Just a couple of comments of this movie is a criminally underrated masterpiece. And a comment from six months ago. Masterpiece film, 23 years later. I just couldn't agree more. What about you? What is your favorite scene? Uh, this won't surprise you, but the 12-fingered piano player guy. Yeah. So basically, the premise of that is that they, um, you know genetically modified the guy so that he would have six fingers on each hand so that he could play the piano better. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, obviously is something that struck a chord with me, pun intended, kind of. Yeah. So I think, you know, and I'll touch on this more later, but I feel like this movie's very relatable on so many different levels for anyone. So, and that particular part was just, you know, me being a, an aspiring keyboard player myself aspiring shut your fucking butthole but yeah I'm, i imagine when we get to our emotional take and start talking about the more heavy stuff you know that that is a scene that really underscores the whole like okay you could be made genetically perfect to be an amazing piano player and given extra fingers but is that going to measure up to the same as someone who had to work hard with only 10 and has the heart and has the temperament you know like has all the emotions has all the channeling all of their problems into music because they have this, that, and the other going on. You know, if you strip away all of that imperfection, what are you left with? True. Plus, as you can attest to, it's not how many fingers you have, it's how you use them. (laughs) (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, he is able to turn anything into a dirty joke. (laughs) Um, Honorable mention uh, with favorite scenes, iconic moments. Uh, I really also like the the final like swimming competition scene 
between Anton and Vincent. It, it, there are lines that happen in that scene that are just like the culmination of the whole message of the movie. How are you doing this, Vincent? Have you done any of this? We have to go back. It's too late for that. We're close to the other side. What other side? You want to join us both? You want to know how I did it? This is how I did it, Anton. I never saved anything for the swim back. And someone on YouTube, their comment was, this is one of the most profound scenes I've ever seen in a movie. After watching this, you feel like you can go out and accomplish almost anything. The only thing you have to do is never save anything for the swim back. Give your all in order to get what you want and let nothing stop you. I love that. Absolutely. I relate to that, too, because with my music career, I've sacrificed so much and have given everything because I knew that that's the only way that I could ever really get anywhere or make it was if, you know, I, I, I did things and made choices in my life that prioritized music and traveling and creating above anything else. Jacobson, what scene did you hate? What was your least favorite scene? Two things to mention, and they're very small because there is very little in this movie that I did not like because I just fucking love this movie. Within one of my favorite scene, or arguably my favorite scene, the whole transformation thing, uh, and then throughout the movie, I, it gives me the heebie-jeebies when he has to do the, like, hardcore skin scrubbing to get all of his, like, extra cells off of his skin. Mm-hmm. Like, he's using some sort of, like, pumice stone to, like, scrape all of it. And, or, like, when he, uh, after he's boned Uma Thurman. <laughs> and uh, she's got a beautiful house right on the ocean. And he, like, goes out to the water and, like, finds a shell to kind of do that, because he's, like, freaking out that his DNA is all over her house now. God, who wouldn't want to bone Uma Thurman? She's so fucking hot. All right, and we'll talk about that more later in the <laughs> would she bone category. Oh, I just gave it away. Well. God, she was so beautiful. Oh, my God. How did I never, like, really pay attention or notice this, uh, you know, in my teen to preteen years? Anyway. Sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I can't keep it bottled yeah. up inside anymore. No, don't don't apologize to me. I, I see what you mean. Her eyes though. Oh her eyes and her mouth. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And she's like she's tall and just slender and she's just got that like total unique beauty. You know? Like I will take a unique unconventional beauty like that any fucking day of the week. Oh yeah. And when she let her like the, like when she let her blonde hair down or whatever, I would lick the skid marks left by the laundry truck that hauls away her dirty panties. Wow. That's, that's saying something. (laughs) What was uh, your least favorite scene? My dear Jude law barfing so much blood drying. Sick. I don't like barf. Or blood. Or blood. Or spit. Or spit. 
that's sort of the in all of these all these podcast episodes. It's like, what's your least favorite part? It always involves spit or barf or something. Yeah, the part where they're spitting or toenails. Yeah, I, that scene was funny though because he just like kept like it, he was doing his funny like Jude Law sarcastic bit, you know, mm-hmm. apologizing over and over again and whatever. It's just funny. The the only other thing that I will mention. And it's not that I don't like it. It just kind of made me chuckle when Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman have their first kiss, like after they've run out of the club and they're like hiding in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke like eats her face. Uh, <laughs> like I, when he goes to kiss her, he's like, "Yeah, that's what I would do too. That I would swallow her whole damn, whole damn head, <laughs> blonde hair and all." Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, favorite quotes. I'm going to lead off with this, actually. Do it. There's more vodka in this piss than there is piss. <laughs> that was funny, and, and that was really sort of the highlight of um, the relationship between Ethan Hawke and Jude Law's character for me. Right. Oh, yeah, and when the, the guy who, who looks at Ethan Hawke's wiener is like, I wish that my parents had given me such a gift. <laughs> yeah, I have noted that, too. Um, implying, and then, of course, you're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, your parents could give you like a, you know, a 13 inch or 13 inch hog <laughs> <laughs> you could, that you would trip over. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I can't remember if it's Jude Law or, or Ethan Hawke that says, do you want to go dancing? Because Jude Law is in a wheelchair. Ha-ha. Oh, yeah. No, it was when um, it was when Ethan Hawke, when his legs were healing and he had the braces on his legs and he's laying on his back on the floor. Oh, yeah. So they're both incapacitated. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. 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 Jude Law asks him if he's okay or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm great. Want to go um, <laughs> the only way you will see the inside of a spaceship is if you are cleaning it. That was a powerful quote to me. Uh, I, I can't remember who said it to Ethan Hawke. His dad. His dad. Yeah. So great parenting. Yeah. Nice. Obviously the opposite of that of that would be good parenting being like you, you, you know, dream big and you can accomplish anything yeah. and the sky's the limit. And so like your parents and then, yeah, exactly. Thank you parents. Yeah. Uh, 12 fingers are one. It's how you play. I love that. It's sort of like, you know, with a 12 fingered piano player guy. Yeah. 100%. You know, a lot of metaphor in there. Yeah. Well, how about you, Jacobson? What are your favorite quotes? I really liked, so in terms of like when Vincent and Anton are competing against each other when they're swimming and stuff, when they were, were they teenagers? When uh, Anton like got a cramp and he couldn't finish or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Just the voiceover in the entire beginning of the movie from Ethan Hawke, like every line he says is just gold. But like when they're swimming, he's like, every time Anton tried to pull away, he found me right there beside him. You know, like he just has this fire. And yeah, I fucking love it. And um, and then when he's really like explaining the world that they live in now, he's just got so many good one-liners. Like, we now have discrimination down to a science. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there is no gene for fate. He says, "Oh, I love Jude uh, Lines Law. Jude Law's lines." It's when they're doing the transformation and they're talking about the fact that Ethan Hawke is going to have to wear contacts because they would see the scars from doing LASIK because their eye color isn't the same. And uh, Jude Laws, he's like, my eyes are prettier. That's the way he says it with his English accent. Mm -hmm. And then um, I I love the terminology that they made in this world. Eugene never suffered from the routine discrimination of a utero, a faith birth, or invalid, as we were called. A valid, a vitro, a made man. 
he suffered under a different burden, the burden of perfection. I was now a member of a relatively new and particularly detested segment of society, one of those who refuses to play the hand that he was dealt. I am most commonly known as a borrowed ladder, or a degenerate. Here we go into my favorite category. Did oh, we... yeah, that's right. Sorry, I like my notes spilled over into the alternate porn, porn yeah. title. I have my teeny tiny little porn title, and I just circled it. Get it together, Jacobson. You fuck off. What did you have for your alternate porn title? I always have you go first, because mine's always better. Mine is, drum roll, please, Twatica. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's good. Twatica? Twatica. It's like a fucking sci-fi, like... Girls getting it on in sci-fi outfits and, yeah, like, doing it on those little workstations and... Wow, you're really going into detail with this. Yeah, I mean... That's... You could have just said Twatica. Mm-hmm. I thought about it also. All right, here's mine. <laughs> Get a cunt. <laughs> Starring Ethan Cock <laughs> and Uma Turdman. <laughs> <Ew>! <laughs> Birdman. Yeah. Sick. There we go. All right. I think mine is more clever, but yours is definitely funny. Why don't you jump into the Diane moment? Because I don't have anything for that. Right. So the Diane moment is noticing things in the background. Diane was my mom. She always did that when we were watching movies. Uh, similar to when we watched Under Siege, the thing that I really put down was that, like, how I love older movies that are set in the future like how the technology is just a little off because mm-hmm. it's still the 90s so like the computer screens and the graphics and the computers are laughable like old screens and like actually having buttons that they push like i don't know why i can like see the image in my head when they're testing ethan hawk's piss and like he has to push a button and there's like a close up of his finger hitting the button as we all know now like buttons are a thing of the past everything is touch screens or see through screens or whatever it's like i i think of iron man when i think of like how technology like futuristic technology yeah. should look with like the moving the screens you know just tony starking that shit so it just it makes me chuckle. So it's not so much a noticing a like set piece or something in the background, just just whatever. a general observation. Yeah, yeah, like PlayStation One graphics on the computer screens. Right, right. So music score and soundtrack. I'll lead off here. Yes. Um, so it was composed by Michael Nyman, and I forgot to research what other films he has done. So well, you know what? We're sitting here. This is why we have a thing like the internet in front of us. True and story. we can pull this mofo up. Music by Michael Nyman. Mm-hmm. I love the score so much. So, ooh, he studied piano, harpsichord, and uh-huh. music history. That is fucking sweet. What's he done recently here? Wow, this is really interesting that he, like, he doesn't really have any other notable scores in his portfolio, which astounds me i was actually really excited to hear more about what he's done because i'm in love with the score yeah the score was good i would say it wasn't it wasn't like super memorable and then it stays stuck in your head or that i would want to like go back and seek it out and listen to it again but yeah the only other movie that i've heard of i think is uh the piano 
maybe he's kind of flown under the radar because of the the choices that he's made um, have been a bit more on the indie side. I guess, but yeah, you know, I I think I have a sense of nostalgia hearing the music just because I I rented this movie so much growing up and it really kind of stimulated that nerdy sci-fi side of my brain. You know, the, the music is just so melancholy and longing. It's hopeful at times. It's sad at times. The strings are just beautiful. I guess that's all there is to say about the music. I'm sorry that's not more exciting. That's all I have to say I'm, about that. I'm sorry that it's not more exciting. So, um, yeah, why don't we move on to movie magic? I have a lot of fun notes because this movie is super fucking interesting. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to do my uh, my mid-podcast episode leg stretch while you right. regale our listeners with movie magic. Do it to it. There's a lot of subliminal messaging tying to things in the DNA world or space or whatever. So like Uma Thurman's character, her name is Irene Cassini. Cassini is the last name of a 17th century Italian astronomer. So tying it to the whole space thing, whatever. Jude Law's character, he, uh, once Ethan Hawke becomes him becomes Jerome Morrow. He doesn't want to be called Jerome anymore. He asks to be called by his middle name, Eugene, which comes from the Greek word for well-born, which he is. And then eugenics, I can't talk, is the science of improving hereditary qualities. So that's just kind of a cool tie-in. There's just fun little things everywhere, like the cool winding staircase in Jerome's apartment. Very, you know, similar structure to like what DNA looks like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I guess I didn't really notice this, but uh, watching it, but I have always kind of thought, you know, when they do the blood sample to make sure they're the right person, you know, their little photo comes up and it says valid or invalid. And the photo of Jerome Morrow, when you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, that's Jude Law. But it sort of looks a little not like Jude Law. Well, that's because they digitally morphed versions of the faces of Ethan Hawke and Jude Law to make that photo, which I thought was really kind of cool. It kind of gave it more of a, you know, Vincent can pass as Jerome kind of thing, which was weird, but cool. Uh, I always like to touch on what Roger Ebert thought of a movie. He gave it three and a half out of four stars. Uh, one of his quotes is, one of the smartest and most provocative of sci-fi films, a thriller with ideas. I couldn't agree more. He uh, really, really liked it, gave it a glowing review. I really don't know what bad things he could say about this movie, to be honest. Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke started dating during this film, which is neat. They got married in 1998. They had two kids, uh, but they got divorced in 2005. Never lasts. The title of the movie is actually based on the four nucleobases of DNA. The letters G, A, T, and C standing for guanine. Adenine, thymine, and cytosine. Makes my love. Gattaca. Really cool. And I was really, really super interested in the retro vibes throughout the movie. It's something that I got, like I said before, I didn't really pick up on that as a kid watching this movie, but as an adult, I'm way more hyper aware of it. So there's a heavy use of what is referred to as retro futurism. So they've got the futuristic electric cars that are based on 1960s model cars. 
futuristic buildings represent modern architecture of nineteen of the nineteen fifties. So, like, they're actually shooting a lot of this stuff around really, really old architecture. Really kind of cool how that could double as futuristic. And then the clothing and hairstyles, totally from the nineteen forties and fifties. All of the the styles of suits and dresses and Uma Thurman's hair. Look at when she's it's got that like beautiful wavy thing going on. And it totally felt like Prohibition era when they had to like flee that club and run down the alleyway and hide. And that's when they had their first kiss. Like that felt like raiding a club during Prohibition. It was super sweet. Uh, some fun notes about the actors and the filmmaker. I have a lot of notes. I'm very long-winded today, folks. Uh, Just Jude- today. <laughs> Jude Law had not made an American movie prior to this, so he was a bit of a gamble casting-wise, and he was only 25 years old, such a baby. And Ethan Hawke was also in his 20s. He's a couple years older. I really, really loved what I figured out about the director after the movie. So writer-director Andrew Nichol, he is also tied to a lot of other really, really sweet sci-fi movies that I know and love. and. Oddly enough, he hasn't had like a hugely storied career, uh, but he also directed and or wrote, I guess I didn't specify my notes here. There's the movie Simone, uh, the movie Lord of War with Nicolas Cage, In Time with Amanda Seyfried and JT, uh, and he directed and wrote the screenplay for the movie The Host, which The Host as uh, Stephanie Meyer's other book series other than Twilight, but uh, Sarsha was the star of that movie. Me, me, me. He had a really, really sweet quote that ties to Gattaca. He said that his 2011 film in time was a quote, bastard child of Gattaca, <laughs> which I really love. Uh, there's this website called denofgeek.com and they I took down a quote that they said that he has a really palpable sense of injustice in his writing. And you really see that in a movie like Gattaca, you know, they've got this like genetic injustice going on. Uh, We will watch in time at some point. That's also a very futuristic, like the poor people have it way worse than the rich people. It's very, a lot of injustice going on in that movie. Super cool. Uh, Like I talked about, the film didn't do too well with its initial release and only made back about a third of its budget, which sucks. Ethan Hawke suggested that the boss at the time of Columbia Pictures didn't really care for the movie, so it had poor marketing, which sucks. I quote directly from Ethan Hawke that says, When I was doing the film, I felt very strongly that this was a film that will last. Ultimately, I think it was a really high-budget art film. More and more, there's no place for that, and it's a travesty. I feel like we've lost room in the movie theater for a whole genre of pictures. Couldn't agree more. That's very young. Yeah, this movie is just beautiful, and they don't make them like that anymore. No, there's not really a lot of room for original creative film content anymore, which is sad. Everything is a sequel, and you know. Right. And perhaps the coolest piece of trivia that I found while I was researching, the writer-director Andrew Nichol wrote The Truman Show. Okay. Fucking awesome. The following year is when that movie came out. And in a lot of my research, people have the hypothesis that had Gattaca and... 
the Truman Show been flip-flopped in terms of release dates, Gattaca might have done better money-wise just because the Truman Show was very, very successful and having his name tied to that would have really bumped the movie up. Yeah, I love that movie. But you can really see that, like, just that string of really interesting, unique storytelling that is tied to this guy. I used to have a huge Truman Show movie poster on my wall. Well, kind of like on my ceiling almost. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's neat. It was massive. Yeah, that's such a good movie. I was in high school. It's been a long time since I watched that. I mean, we just did Dumb and Dumber, so I've definitely got Jim Carrey on the brain. But uh, definitely, we need to watch that again. Mallory, who would you bone? (laughs) My answer is fun. I do find Uma Thurman incredibly sexy and definitely would bone her any day of the week. I wrote down Jude Law. I mean, he is very handsome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who would you bone? Well, we already know who you would bone. Yeah. (laughs) Uma Thurman, her eyes were just incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, She played Irene. She looks like she was made in a lab, so that was some good casting. My God. Well, is she honestly... I, I guess I'd be curious to know who else was even considered for her part, but they could not have cast a more perfect person to have that like old school vibe, like 1940s kind of vibe. Like it's like she was plucked out of that era. Yeah. Anyway, Definitely. She's, just, she's perfect. She's a classic beauty. Yes. Controversial take. You just talked a lot. So yeah. I'm going to lead off here. Do it. The whole genetic modification angle, I mean, that's sort of the main plot point of the movie, obviously. So it's more than just an angle. You know, with the 90s prediction of the future, it seems like it's always accurate in these 80s and 90s movies, like I said previously. Um, But there's something now called genomics that's like an industry that's set to break out. And I think it I think it has to do with um, gene editing and like things like making sure that you don't get cancer, like gene therapy and this and that and the other. I don't know that much about it, but right. there you are. There you go. So, um, so controversial take is where I put the quote down 12 fingers or one. It's how you play. Every hole is a goal. Completely different direction than where I was going <laughs> to go with that. You, you guys should have seen the look of disappointment in Mallory's face right after I said that. Yeah. Classic. Uh, I mean, I think if this movie drives any message home, it's that, you know, nothing can replace the human spirit. So I guess this really isn't a controversial take, but anybody who's had to fight for a dream harder, you know, it's just, it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of passion. It's a different kind of achievement. It's, it's really, really wonderful. And I kudos to people who life is like super easy for because they have, tons of money or whatever and things can just be handed to them easily or they can you know get all the lessons that they need in life because they have money or access or whatever I don't know give me somebody that had to you know move heaven and earth to get their dreams they've got it they've got the heart more than the person who had to buy it definitely you know which you know this movie isn't about money it's about genetics but you know what I mean Genetics, well, I think it's about class. It's about class barriers. Right. And I'm going to dive into that more with my um, emotional take. Yeah. Well, cool. I think our emotional takes will be different. Okay. So why don't don't you go for yours? My emotional take is that I like the concept or the idea of transcending class through innovation. Mm, Deep. It's sort of, this film is sort of the embodiment of fake it until you make it. 
And I feel like that's how I've approached my career, doing things and portraying myself to others as someone who is on that next level, maybe, you know, it's sort of like the dress for the job you want, not the job you have Yeah, is another way of looking at it. But um, ways that I think of where you can transcend class through innovation are the stock market. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> stock market is a way that you can, you know, invest and grow your wealth and income and then get to that next level. Yeah. You know, no matter what class you come from. And then just being creative, artistic or otherwise. I feel like in today's society, for example, with every, with things like the internet and all the technology that we have, that working a minimum wage job not to like poop on anyone that does that, but I'm just saying there are so many ways where you can work from home or, you know, generate income on the internet that it sort of doesn't make sense to, to waste time working for $9 an hour when you could make way more than that just being creative or, in, or being innovative and using, um, you know, your the skills that you were born with um, to move yourself further in life and move up and transcend class barriers. Right. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I guess you could argue that I've done that. You have. You've created a your own business and LLC and all of this stuff, and you're successful with it um, using skills that you just taught yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a little bit of background, I have my radio, TV, film degree, and a minor in theater. I didn't take any graphic design classes in college. I didn't take marketing classes I just learned that stuff on the job and, you know, I graduated in 2012 and I didn't start my freelance company until 2016. Those were four years of me sort of being miserable in my job. Like I was still working in marketing. It was usually a marketing and administrative hybrid, but living by somebody else's rules living by somebody else's stupid hours. Like who made the decision that I have to get up at seven o'clock in the fucking morning every goddamn day and get in my car and be in traffic for an hour and be around insufferable people in a tiny little fucking cubicle all day long. Oh my God, I wanted to murder somebody. And I, I left the fate of my career and my personal time in someone else's hands for too long I was trying really hard to get a remote position while my mom was sick and dying. And I put that hope into someone else's hands to give me that opportunity. And after she died, I was just like, fuck this. Life is too short. And if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have had the backbone or the support to just throw it all out the window and be like, fuck it, I'm starting my own company. Mm -mm, I can do this myself. And I did. Well, Jacobson, way to transcend class through innovation. (sighs) Cue the pyramid's track transcendence. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Way to fake it until you make it, Jacobson. Yeah. I still feel like I'm faking it sometimes. And then I have to step back and be like, no, oh, I do know what I'm so talking about. So do I. About. <laughs> I feel like I'm faking it and I'm a AFM Records recording artist. Yeah. I think, I feel like you need me to slap you across the face like at least once a week and be like, shut up. <laughs> You are amazing at what you do. Oh, she just slapped me. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Got really into it. 
All right. Who does the Oscar go to? Um, hello. I have an emotional take also. Oh, hello. What's your emotional take, Jacobson? Oh, you're my emotional take, bitch. Yeah? We'll give you some of my emotions. Ooh. Okay, so uh, this movie, I mean, it really makes you reflect on your own genetic imperfections, I think. It, it really just made me sit back, especially the aspect of, like, you know, Vincent was the firstborn. Yeah, did you refer to Anton as his older brother? That's his younger brother. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's taller because he's perfect. Oh, right. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so they have Vincent naturally. They don't alter his genetics. So he's, the moment he's born, they prick his foot and get a sample of his blood and they give all the percentages of his susceptibility to things like depression and heart disease and all that stuff. And like, it got me thinking like, what would have been weeded out of me? All of the cancer in my family would have been weeded out, so that would have been sweet. I have depression, which I get from both my mom and my dad, so that probably would have gotten weeded out. My anxiety would have also gotten weeded out. And then whatever other shit that I have wrong with me, I mean, there's overweight issues in my family, there's, you know, 17 kinds of cancer in my family, seriously. But... You have to think about, you know, what would that perfect version of me not have that I do have now, you know? You're perfect to me. Thank you. That's very sweet. That's very sweet. But, you know, like, uh, I wouldn't be wearing glasses because my eyesight would be perfect. Um, But I love how you look in glasses. I love my glasses, too. The stubbornness to fight your imperfections. Or do you want to have the complacency... A perfection. You choose. You know, it just, it, it really made me get really deep for a minute after this movie was over. It's just like, if it weren't, and I think about you also and how music has been a vessel for you to channel a lot of sadness in your life. Like, I think you use music as your therapy. If you went into a doctor and got all of the testing done, I'm sure they would figure out that you have anxiety or some kind of depression or something or whatever. But, like, you've found different creative ways to cope with it. I don't think you'd be as good of a musician if you were medicated. So I'm glad that you're not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all, all angles of my personality come out through my music. I mean, even in my, like, silly Mortal Kombat cover, I just did. You know, <laughs> yeah. my more fun and free-spirited side came up. Right. So, you know, I, I understand. I think it would be wonderful if we could weed things out, like cancer, or make our bodies impervious to things like HIV or, you know, whatever other illnesses that are incurable. Sure, that'd be great. But let's not alter the rest of it. It's the things that aren't perfect about you that make you awesome. And that make us artists. Yeah. Yeah, every artist out there, my God, strip away the things that are wrong with you, and I guarantee you would not be the artist that you are. I I would even say that art is a manifestation or perhaps a projection of our imperfections as human beings. I think that's a very astute observation, my dear. Anyway, so that's, that's my emotional take. Thank you for giving me all of these deep, deep thoughts, Gattaca. Right. Who does the Oscar go to? Can be anyone or anything. I give my Oscar to the production design. That combination of 
the old with the futuristic, that retro futurism thing, but then also hand in hand, just like the color palettes of this movie, the like blue green vividness of the water when the dudes are having their swimathons or the like, I don't know if they were constantly shooting during the magic hour, but like just like beautiful orange skies and you know, it just, it it painted such a picture. So that was mine. What's your Oscar? I'm sort of disappointed in my answer. Actually, (laughs) I wrote down Uma Thurman for being the hottest babe ever. (laughs) So I'm going to give an answer that isn't something I wrote down, which is just the, the way that this movie forces the viewers to be so introspective and to think about how the plot points and the story arc are a reflection of oneself, one's desires and goals and the arc of our lives, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. You harness that shit. So like me as a 12 year old wrote down Uma Thurman for hottest babe ever, but you know, I'm Uh, I'm tapping into my more mature side to give you the actual answer. I'm very proud of you. Babe, what would you rate this movie? I gave it an eight. I felt the stakes could have been higher between Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's character and I thought that it would have been cooler if Uma Thurman had ended up being the murderer. Oh, shit. Yeah, I thought it was really kind of a throwaway that it was the director, the old guy, the director. Yeah. Like, it was just like, oh, it was him. That's so Right, yeah. I wasn't, like, I wasn't like, wow, cool, you know. Right. Whatever. What did you give it? I gave it a 9.5, maybe a 10. But you can always find things wrong with movies. So a 10 is, is hard to give. I just, like I said, in my collection, in my head of sci-fi movies, this is just the top, if not in my like top two. And it's just so smartly made. It has such a wonderful message, but it's still a beautiful film. It stood the test of time. I think it will continue to stand the test of time. Uh, one thing I wrote down too and this is really important, is the big reveal was so unrealistic. It's like, oh, that the young detective guy is my brother, but it's like somehow he didn't know that the whole time. Yeah, I wish that I could have seen this movie with your eyes because I just knew the whole time that it was his brother. So I'm kind of like missing that layer your of did the story eyes, work. <laughs> your eyes. <laughs> Your eyes. Your eyes. It wouldn't be an episode if we didn't sing like 16 different songs. Yeah. So (laughs) the big reveal was unrealistic and pretty dumb. Yeah, it could have been stronger. The ride, the ride was worth it for me. That's what she said. Why don't you talk about the impact and influence of this movie on the industry? I am going to reference back to that denofgeek.com website. A wonderful quote that they had was, uh, this movie, it's made with intelligence and passion that's rare in relatively mainstream science fiction movies. And I completely agree. I wish that this movie has will would have influenced way more sci-fi movies, but I think about some of the sci-fi movies that I have embraced in the last 10, 15 years. I think about... Movies with uh, Britt Marling, 
she's that blonde actress. She was in my show, The OA. Oh my God, if you're a sci-fi person, fucking watch The OA. So fucking good. I can't believe it got canceled. So lame. Netflix show. Anyway, um, she's a wonderful actress and storyteller and writer. And I can't remember if she's done directing, but she was in that movie, Another Earth. That movie is a thinker like this is. So I think that Gattaca has paved the way for movies like that. It's just those movies have kind of lived in obscurity. So I wish I wish more mainstream movies would would follow Gattaca's lead. They also, denimgeek.com made the point that it's not the 90s genre fanfare like Independence Day or Armageddon. You know, it really took the higher road in terms of sci-fi for its time. And uh, yeah. One of the one of the best sci-fi films of that decade, so I I think that says a lot. There you go. All right. There you have it. Oh. I'm gonna did you have something else to add? No, no, I was like, there you have it, folks. Goodbye, but your bullet points. Right. Jonah's yeah. bullet points, aka things I wanna say but I don't really want to talk about. Right on. Hit it. Here we go. How did Vincent not know the detective was his brother? So unrealistic <laughs> and so dumb. Uh, you know, this just, movie was very well done in every way, except like that plot point, which just doesn't make sense. Yeah. They all had this technology. Um, make Vincent. Wait. Hold on. I can't read my own writing. Make Vincent two inches taller, but they couldn't fix Jude Law's spine. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good point. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, with all that genetic technology they had, uh, they couldn't just, you know, get Jude Law's a new spine or something. Right. Uh, side note, I did have a note, and I, like, I didn't, I'm looking at my notes, and I was like, what the fuck was I talking about? Um, something about teeth. Okay, they made sure that everything, like, so many things were spot on between mm-hmm. Jerome and Vincent, but they didn't bother at all to, like, worry about their teeth. And, like, dental records are something that, like, is used to identify people. Yeah. So that was kind of silly because they both kind of have their own wonky teeth. That is a legit nitpick as well. (laughs) All right, continuing on, Jonas bullet points, things I want to say but don't really want to talk about. Why do you have to continue to introduce it every time you talk? (laughs) Uma Thurman was slash is a goddess. No wonder she got so many roles in the 90s. So much metaphor in this movie, anyone could relate to it, at least on some level. Mm -hmm. This movie was fantastic. I owe it to Mally to pick a good movie. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> uh, solid 90s sci-fi. Very good at predicting current times, as most 80s and 90s sci-fi has been. Even having Biff as president. Way to go, Back to the Future, for predicting <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Ethan Hawke's hair is a key pop- plot point, And it sort of reminds me, and it's like his hair and glasses... It reminds me of Not Another Teen Movie, like that whole thing. Oh, yeah. Or like Clark Kent, like, oh, he has glasses on, so he doesn't look like Superman anymore. Right. But whenever it's like Ethan Hawke's character was supposed to look like the shitty version of himself, his hair was all messed up and he had glasses on. And then whenever he was supposed to be being Jude Law, his hair was slicked back and no glasses. Hmm, interesting observation. And in conclusion... Mallory, your ass looks like it was made in a laboratory. It's so perfect. Ten out of ten. <laughs> what does that have to do with Gattaca? <laughs> because everything was made in a lab in Gattaca. Oh. So your your as of today, thirty two year old ass is ten out of ten. It's been thirty two years in the making. I hope it's a ten. It's made out of Cheetos <laughs> and the occasional squat. Yeah. 
I, I'm not working out as much as I used to because my work schedule doesn't allow me to as much. And that's a stupid excuse. Anyway, thank you for complimenting my ass. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for having your ass. I am so glad you made me watch this movie because I probably wouldn't have watched it because it sort of was a thing of the past and whatever and wasn't something I had planned on ever seeing. Um, and it was really fantastic. Well, you're welcome. There are many more amazing gems to come that you would have never thought to watch. Speaking of amazing gems that you never would have thought to watch... What are we watching next week? Next week is the 1995 Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, that'll be really fun and sweet <laughs> and is a nice tie-in to the current Mortal Kombat movie that is out in theaters right now. I'm actually really glad that I've never seen it. There are sequels, right? Really shitty ones. Okay, well, I'm glad I haven't seen any of them because I think it'll be really cool to have just watched this new movie and then to go back. Because, like, right now, my only references are the movie we just watched, and then, you know, we've got like our arcade stand up game here in our house right. that I have to listen to all the time of Luke Kang doing his thing with his feet. Anyway. Yeah. Don't forget to get out there and support your local movie theater. Go out there and see Mortal Kombat in the yes. theaters. And um, King Kong vs. Godzilla is probably still out. Yeah, more and more movies are finally getting back on track to being released. Like Black Widow is going to come out finally this summer. And yeah, so please, please, please. Yeah, we should have a movies. category like movies that I'm excited to see right. that are coming soon. Well, I mean, we should just talk about that at the top of the show. At the top of the show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Movie Lovers, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Time to go have birthday sushi. Thanks for listening to Movie Lovers. If you like what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback goes a really long way to helping our little podcast that could be seen by the world. Also, don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram, too. You can find us by searching the handle Movie Lovers Pod on either platform. This is the part of the podcast where Jonah and I shamelessly promote our respective services that we provide in our careers. I'm a session musician and composer for hire. I do commission pieces ranging from podcast jingles to keyboard and orchestral arrangements, video game soundtracks, etc., the sky is the limit. If you're looking for custom composition services, you can find me on my website at www.jonahweingarten.com. That's J-O-N-A-H-W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-E-N.com. Movie Lovers is a Mally Creative production. I, Mally, am the owner of Mally Creative, a marketing and multimedia design agency. If you or anyone you know is in the market for social media strategy, design, or management services, or perhaps you need a new website designed or even print or digital graphic design services, please reach out to me at my website, www.mallycreative.com. Again, that's www.mallycreative.com. If you'd like to advertise on our podcast, please reach out to us on social media, on our website at www.movieloverspod.com, or by contacting Mally Creative.